Welcome to the third episode of Koto Masters podcast by Everstage where we interview the GTM leaders from today's most dynamic companies. Their unique insights, hard-earned lessons and innovative visions are the stories we bring to you weekly. I'm your host AB heading business development at Everstage. We are pleased to have Darren with us today who has played a significant role in expanding the revenue operations function at Instructure. He is currently the director of revenue operations and intelligence at Instructure. Welcome Darren, we are excited to have you here. Please give our listeners a quick introduction about yourself. Excellent. Thanks, Abi. So, yeah, as as you mentioned earlier, I'm currently the director of revenue operations and intelligence over at Instructure. I have 10 years of experience in sales and revenue operations. and i have a little bit of a mixed past going from roles such as like a sales rep all the way to working for a school district um as an infant facilitator working on behavioral modification with kids with autism you know fireman as well as um sales leadership in revops wow fireman that's something that's interesting i'll get to that in a bit but from sales uh, to revenue operations in general i'm just curious about your journey from sales to operations darren so how was it for you what kind of transition did you see was it smooth was it rough how was it possible for you yeah um i'd say sales leadership in revops is many parallels the majority of your time in a sales leadership role is spent coaching it's also spent strategizing and problem solving all of which which are my favorite parts of that job i get to do all those in now so i love it <laughs> for sure uh so uh, what kind of recommendations do you generally give for folks who would like to transition uh, from sales to operations in general uh, learn as much as you can about systems and process uh, processes that you currently use so that makes your job a lot easier understanding the full um gambit of all the systems and processes that you have at your disposal and then approach everything from other person's eyes so uh take a walk in somebody else's shoes as you're looking at things so why now did was this put together why was this put together how does this affect um a sales rep how does it affect a csm uh how does it affect you know, me as a leader uh, in the future and how would it affect me as a revops person and getting that full understanding of uh the impact on everybody on each individual process or system that's put in place uh it makes a big impact in your full understanding of why things are done and then keeping a focus on um customer experience at the same yeah. time it sounds like uh you know keeping the base tight is something that stable stakes um so getting back to the point that you mentioned a little earlier uh, Darren on being a fireman so do you draw a parallel between then and what you do now uh, from an operation standpoint and there would be similarities in terms of skill sets uh, for sure like what kind of differences do you see between sales and ops as well um i'd say uh, organization uh and uh, mm-hmm. structure so those those are great uh, glaring parallels in the fire service you wake up every morning you check your tools you make sure everything's where it needs to be and everything's in working order and that enables you to be um efficient and effective with like carrying out your job each day if there's something you go on a auto um incident and you have to pry somebody out of a car you don't want to be fumbling around finding your tools like we do in our own personal garages right <laughs> so um you know in revops it's very similar with the way we handle our data our kpis our systems architecture making sure we build things and put things in a place so they can be efficiently leveraged and effectively utilized 
Yeah, that, that's very uh, interesting, uh, Darren. So, uh, so I was also looking at the current business landscape, right? So it's it's highly uh, uncertain uh, in general. There are a lot of ups and downs with respect to economy. Um, so, how do you do uh, more of you know revenue forecasting, uh, and what kind of key data points you should look into in general, given the circumstances? Uh, so I'd say focusing on uh, behaviors and deal management. So. For one, uh, if your stages don't reflect the current sales process that you have with your customers, right, and being customer focused, you're going to have issues with the accuracy of how those stages are identified. And if you don't have clear documentation or guidance for your sales team on what commit levels you have, how those commit levels should be utilized, then you're going to have you know, inaccuracies in your forecast with that as well. So determining your process for how you manage deals in a flow and your stage um, alignment is very important, but also making sure that you have transparency on how those should be used and what um, milestones need to occur to in order to move them down the stages. One thing that we do that I, I love in, in structure is, you know, we do not allow backwards stage flow. So once it's moved to a certain stage, it can't go backwards because you've already experienced that stage and it's more focused around the sales experience in the, in the funnel, right? And then your commit level can go in and out. And the commit level needs to be based off of sentiment that you have with the customer and what we think is likely. Um, once you've done that, having regular cadences to review those commit levels and stages to make sure they're accurate, but also reviewing other, um, I would say, like hygiene metrics. Now, some of those metrics that I, I like to look at are you know slippage. Um, when are deals coming out of the pipeline? What are being pulled in? Um, the time to close. What is our time to close for an opportunity in relation to how we've historically closed deals? Um, another one of those that I would say is um, your dates, making sure your close dates aren't in the past, your next step dates aren't in the past. Um, one thing you will notice is with the sales rep, they get busy and you, they they look at things as being details, but not necessarily important. And as long as you keep those things at the forefront of their mind, they're going to always be important. They're going to be something they look at um, every day. And um, well, another big glaring one to me um, as of late is the contacts associated with an opportunity. So the contacts associated with an opportunity and making sure you have the right personas involved in your sales cycle could be a leading indicator of something that could slip. And so you want to get ahead of those areas to understand you know, what are the um, what's the likelihood of some of these deals falling out of the quarter. So uh, keeping an eye on those areas and then having those uh, regular conversations, but making sure that you, um, if you do make a change in the process, you document it and you make sure you have clarity with it, the sales team as well. And documentation uh, is something that's big. So that also has a follow-up question from me there, uh, Darren. How do you foster effective communication with the sales teams? Because that seems to be very uh, important, right? So from a revenue operations to sales teams, what kind of channels do you use? People also talk about uh, you know, over-communicating in certain instances. So how do you do it in general? What are the best practices that you would recommend? Yeah, I think over-communication is a real problem, right? I think we um, you, you look at some of the issues we deal with where we're um, some teams aren't communicating some of the changes enough, or some of them are over communicating to the point where it's just a bunch of white noise. Um, I find having uh, currently the way I have my team set up is we have people associated to different leaders. So I have somebody who's associated to our international teams for our APAC and uh, NORAM HIAD team, and we have our K 12 team, and we have um, our uh, EMEA and LATAM team associated to somebody else, and they are their points of contact. 
And one of the things that I like to do is we have um, clear communication on a regular basis. So they meet once a week and they exchange um, conversation directly. But then we also uh, maintain a confluence page. And so we document uh, active projects on our confluence page. So if we're working on a project or scoping it, we outline what that looks like and how that's being done. And then we also outline like uh, help documents. And I think the help documents are a great resource for people to go and access when they need more detailed uh, guidance. We do also leverage like a TLDR. So the big uh, the beginning of any large document, we summarize a lot of pieces. So if they need to go into the nitty gritty, they can. What, one thing I do love is um, making their job a little bit easier. So the collaboration and fostering that relationship is about treating them like a customer. So, you know, we, we have multiple customers. We have in, in revenue operations, you have your um, leaders, your internal leaders, and then you also have your boss, <laughs> right? So you have um, like me with my team, they want to keep me happy because they, you know, they report to me, but at the same time, what just as important is how happy the leaders are that they support. So that it's a big uh, factor in making sure that you keep that uh you know, that alignment. One thing I tell my team is, you know, if in any case you need to use me uh, to be the bad guy at the start to, to build a relationship to start, I think that's where you start. And then at that point, you can kind of ease into being more firm with your stance and the approach of things. But um, building that relationship between those people and treating them like a, a consultant customer. So listening, understanding the problems, getting things ahead of getting ahead of things before they happen are really important. And then um, one of the other things that I love is uh, preventative insights. So the more you see areas in the business where there's problems, and the more we surface those to them before they see them, and then you also uh, come with a um, recommended solution, whether they go with that or not, you come with a recommended solution, you don't come empty-handed to anything, then that's going to build that relationship as a whole, um, as long as you're fluid and open to you know, making adjustments in your plans and your recommendations. It sounds like looking at the internal stakeholders as customers uh, is key for fostering that collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dan, I know you'll be asked this question wherever you go, but that's not stopping me uh, today, uh, right? So uh, so what kind of like uh, channels in general that you uh, use? Like, so for example, uh, do you use Slack? Uh, do you use uh, more of like, you mentioned about documentation, which is critical. Uh, so you mentioned about the TLDR aspect as well. So what kind of channels do you use? Like you mentioned about the weekly cadence that you have. Do you have it with sales leaders or do you have it with the reps as well? Uh, in general, how do you do it? <laughs> Yeah, so um, we do Slack channel. We have a sales ops um, or rev ops channel that we use. And when we go through those um, areas of concern, that's open to the reps, it's open to anybody. So if there's an issue, they can pop it up and we can get give support in that way. Uh, we do have a regular weekly meeting with each leader. And that's just to make sure we uh, go over what's going on, what's new, what's changed, what areas, what have we seen. We also have a um, trying to explain explain it best, but basically what we do is we do like an all hands kind of thing, where we have all of the sales leaders join with us all at one time to go for roadmap stuff and, and things that have changed. But another area that um, we, we leverage quite a bit is just making sure that we um, we we also get on weekly forecasts. So we segment some of those conversations around what's important. So if we have a regular um, sync, we try not to jam everything to that regular meeting, we'll say, hey, listen, there's a bigger item, like a forecast meeting. We're going to have a separate forecast meeting. Um, there's a bigger item with a strategy call. We're going to set up a separate strategy call and we make sure we get the right amount of people in there. And what I'm highly focused on right now is we're not, not just keeping one department in that call. So we're looking at bringing other departments into those um, into the fold 
to make sure we have a full view of the customer lifecycle in that conversation. So bring somebody from represent marketing, customer success, and um, our services teams and making sure we have like a full representation across that uh, conversation when we're doing strategy calls. Awesome. You mentioned about the bigger items. Uh, so how do you classify these bigger items? How do you prioritize all those bigger items? Because at some point of time, you might feel that everything is important, right? So how do you prioritize all these stuff? Yeah, so I have a phrase that I um, tell my team uh, when we're focusing on sales, it's the um, our mission is to support the sales team in predictably achieving their bookings targets. And the key there is predictably, right? So making sure we can forecast it and we can get to it and we can plan against it. If we're just hitting it and we're lucky, it's not it's not enough. So whatever most aligns to um, de-risking that area is what we're prioritizing. So um, whatever has the biggest impact in de-risking a quarter or getting ahead of something and making sure we're supporting it is what we're focusing on the first and foremost. And you know, you're always going to have something that may yield a little bit more result than another activity. So we're trying to measure that against the impact on the business. That's awesome. Very well put, uh, Darren. So with uh, RevOps being poised as the hottest job of 2023, uh, how do you see the field of operations poised to grow and evolve in the coming years from your lens? Uh, what are some key trends of developments that ops professionals should be prepared for, especially when AI is coming in? Re- revenue operations is going to be a different kind of experience in the coming years with you know, the way we do planning and the way the um, global economy is doing is it's bootstrapping it as it is right now. And I think what you're going to find is you're going to find revenue operations is becoming more and more popular outside of having a you know, dedicated sales ops, marketing ops, um, CX ops. And you're looking at somebody who understands that full customer lifecycle a little bit better. Um, I will say um, that that is going to be, in my opinion, one of the reasons a lot of companies try to adopt revenue operations. It's going to be about bootstrapping, not necessarily about... <laughs> The right choice, which is is good in itself, because it's going to drive us to be thinking about the business in that fashion. In my um, in my two cents, uh, I I will say with AI, it's going to benefit us in being able to have and carry out those um, those work streams. Something as simple as uh, you know putting together documentation, like a, a framework, AI can make a lot um, re- reduce a lot of that. A writer's block that goes into the documentation piece of putting things together. Um, making sure you prioritize your time by targeting the right accounts yeah. or identifying risk um, in in the business. All of that can be done through AI very quickly. Um, you're always going to have somebody who's going to need to review things and, and kind of uh, proof it. But at the end of the day, it's going to make a lot of the um, uh, busy tasks yeah. that we do on a given day a little bit more easier and we're going to be able to focus more on the high level strategy and impact and planning aspect of Good. the business, which I think is what everybody loves more anyway. Absolutely. Hopefully there'll be more time for strategic initiatives than the tactical recurring busy work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I just have a follow on there as well. Being a RevOps leader in Instructure, what are the modern day nuances RevOps face in optimizing territory planning? For different geographical landscapes, you spoke about different geographical landscapes earlier and how you're managing uh, stakeholders there. Just curious, territory planning is an important aspect. Uh, how do you optimize that with the current situation? Yeah, you know, there's going to be some data privacy concerns in the future, I, I, I assume, uh, getting worse. You know, you got GDPR on the contact data collection piece uh, in in Europe and other areas of the in the world. And I, I believe that that's going to be harder to source some of the data that's going to be needed to enrich some of those data sources. 
So I think in some cases it's going to be about how much you can collect to leverage uh, in those aspects, assuming that it doesn't get any worse on the account-based uh, data collection. Then I think in uh, you know North America, it's all going to be based off of looking at the um, ideal customer profile. I think in some cases people are just starting to get ahead of it. You know, I've been fortunate enough to do it at two companies now, and identifying with. Um, your ICP, which accounts should be focused on rather than just cutting geos, because, you know, you can cut geos based on, um, you know, location, you can on the company size, like everybody else does, but there's a higher propensity to focus on what matters to drive more revenue. Uh, one of the things that we did that was unique at um, one of these smaller companies I worked at, which is Clarivine, is we um, did some incentive around paying reps more like a 1.5 X multiplier on our tier A accounts versus a one X on a tier B and a 0.5 on tier C and what gets measured gets inspired and it focused them to focus on the right accounts. And we were able to land several very large customers within a matter of a year that were our high priority customers. So um, I think ICP will be something that plays a critical role in people leveraging uh, territory design in the future. Awesome. You spoke about uh, two different aspects. One is the ICP. You also spoke about a smaller company. Uh, one of the challenges smaller companies might face is defining the ICP itself. So how did you solve for it in your earlier companies? Yeah, you know, understanding your product, I think is huge, right? And um, getting a few uh, keystone customers to give you feedback. So putting that product in somebody's hands and say, okay, what is it that this is helping and do a bunch of feedback because those customers, the ones that are using it, are going to be able to give you a ton of feedback about why they're using it. Getting it in front of people to leverage it early on, I think, is really important. Uh, you may find that uh, really quick that you might feel like it's an enterprise product, but the real pain is more mid-market. And you may find that um, in that process, what is driving that is going to be the size of a certain team or the way they um, have a certain type of business flow in their organization, the way they're structured. And depending on the product, and depending on what you're trying to sell, I think it's all about listening to the customer and having those conversations and then making sure that you fully understand the product and how that customer is utilizing it to be able to best align what that, um, that customer may uh, have a reason to purchase it for. Awesome, Darren. So we have a few minutes left, just a couple of questions here. Uh, this is a fun one, right? So what's your productive poison right now? So how do you keep yourself motivated on a daily basis? Oh, man. Um, I'm a naturally motivated person. Uh, <laughs> I think for me, I love just the satisfaction of like making an impact. So just being able to say, Hey, I, we were able to do this and this is the impact we had is a huge motivator for, for me. Um, the whole reason I got into RevOps was to be, to make a bigger impact because when you're a sales leader, you only have an impact based on the size of your team. But if you, if there's, you know, seven different sales, uh, teams, in RevOps, you affect all of them. And so you can have a huge impact on, on the way the company is doing. And so needing people needing you to help deliver, uh, to me, is just super rewarding. Wow. That, that's very, very nice, uh, Darren. So our audience would love to connect with you and learn more about your work and operations, right? So where can they find you? Uh, can they find you on LinkedIn? Do you want to share your uh, email ID with them? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn. It's just linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Darren dash Fay. Or you can go to um, www.revopsroundtable.com. And it's a community that um, I've been putting together for people in revenue operations to communicate, collaborate, and share best practices to make sure that everybody's 
able to share um, things that they're dealing with and you know, areas of concern so that we can all be better at our jobs. Awesome, Darren. Thank you so much for your time today. It was truly exciting uh, conversation and uh, look forward to more. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Well, that brings us to the end of the insightful episode of Code Masters. Big thanks to Darren for sharing his experience and valuable insights. Uh, learning more about your story and approach to building a world-class RevOps team was truly inspiring. Remember, you can tune in every week to learn more from game changers driving hypergrowth companies across the globe. GoToMasters is brought to you by EverStage, your trusted partner for transforming the way businesses handle sales compensation. I'm your host, AB from EverStage, signing off. We'll see you in our next episode. Until then, goodbye for now.